0: Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live this morning from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And that was a real top-of-the-hour news update beauty, (laughs) just reminding us that there's going to be hundreds of thousands more COVID deaths, apparently. Hope everyone's sufficiently terrified after hearing that great news. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what I was going to say today. I just was in shock when I heard that right before I came on here. Anyway, here's an interesting prophecy about the end times, right before the return of Jesus Christ. Psalm 102, verse 14, for your servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. Psalm 102, verse 14. Now, generally, we wouldn't really think of the book of Psalms as one of the, primary producers of Bible prophecy, but here is a verse of prophecy in that beautiful book of poetry. There is some prophecy in Psalms, and this verse here is all about archaeology. Let's notice the context just for proof that this is an end-time prophecy. Psalm 102 verse 13 says, you shall arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time is come. And then especially here, verses 15 and 16. So the heathen shall fear the name of the eternal and all the kings of the earth, your glory. When the eternal shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. The point here is first, Jesus Christ will build up Zion or Jerusalem, and even he will do that literally through archaeology. Certain things in Jerusalem must be uncovered and discovered before Christ returns, and Christ is directly involved in that process. Here is what Dr. Elat Mazar, a prominent Jewish archaeologist, said. And this is her advice about digging. You need to have vision to do a dig in Jerusalem. You need to see the big picture of how things fit in the biblical picture. In the November, December twenty twenty issue of the watch Jerusalem magazine editor-in-chief Gerald Flurry wrote, this is wonderful advice. It is good to be excited about all these archeological discoveries, proving King David's legacy, but we must see the vision behind these artifacts. These discoveries should get us thinking about the coming Messiah who is a descendant of King David and will rule From the throne of David. That is the big picture. That is why the Philadelphia Church of God has been helping Dr. Mazar in Jerusalem with archaeological projects since 2006. It's not just a feel good project or a chance for our Armstrong College students to travel and get some experience in a foreign country. There is deep vision behind that undertaking. Now, this November December edition of the Watch Jerusalem magazine can be found in full PDF form at watchjerusalem.co.il. Watchjerusalem.co.il. This entire issue focuses on one major discovery. Yet to be made. Yet it is a discovery we know must be made before Christ returns. I'm talking about the tombs of the kings. This is such an uplifting, inspiring subject. If we view it with the right vision. If we have the proper spiritual vision. Otherwise, this subject could be discouraging. It could be a real downer if we don't view it the right way. Now, the cover story here is titled, An Astonishing Archaeological Discovery is Imminent. And this, again, is from Mr. Gerald Flurry. He's referring to a prophecy in Jeremiah chapters 7 and 8, that really do relay some extremely bad news. Here in Jeremiah 7, it says, uh, verse 34, Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride for the land shall be desolate. This is talking about a time in the near future when you will not hear laughter echoing off the buildings in the city streets of Jerusalem. You will not hear people talking and enjoying conversation and having a good time. Because all of their happiness will be taken away. It even talks about the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride being taken away. So there's not a lot of spiritual vision at this time. The land will be desolate. And the reason we know this is an end time prophecy is the very next verse, Jeremiah 8 and verse 1. At that time, says the eternal, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of his princes and the bones of the priests and the bones of the prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem out of their graves. Verse two, and they shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven whom they have loved and whom they have served and after whom they have walked and whom they have sought. And whom they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered. Nor be buried. They shall be for dung. Upon the face of the earth. So all of the. Heroes. Of the Jews. The legends. Of Jewish history. Will be dug up. Their bones will be spread out. And no one. Will bury them again they'll be treated with the lack of respect of dung as if those bones were just dung and as mr flurry explains this can't be done by the jews themselves or anyone who has any sort of reverence for that history king david All these prophets, all of these great leaders throughout the history of ancient Judah, all of the righteous leaders being buried in one place. Anyone who has any sort of honor for that tomb would never desecrate those remains. As Mr. Flurry says, human remains are deeply sensitive. And it is extremely disrespectful to spread these bones out under the sun like this. Clearly, this is something that has never happened before in history. It's something that will take place in the very near future. And it will not be done by the Jews themselves. The Jews do, to some extent at least, at least among the common people, value this history. And they would never treat these heroes this way. A hostile foe, an outsider, will be the one to do this. So, like I said, this can be, it should be sobering, but it should not be discouraging. Even though, on the surface, it would appear to be extremely discouraging and depressing. Mr. Flurry wrote here, what a scene. This is talking about a tomb in which several of Judah's righteous kings and prophets were buried. And Jeremiah prophesied that during this future time of suffering, the tomb would be, will be raided and the bones of the Kings will be brought to the surface and very publicly destroyed. Notice the logic here. Mr. Flurry continues. Obviously, for this to happen, the tombs of the kings will have already been discovered. Now, Mr. Flurry actually also explains how the tombs of the kings are not located where many people assume they are located. And you can find a lot more information about this within the November, December. 2020 issue of the watch Jerusalem magazine. But he doesn't just make that statement in passing that the tombs of the Kings are not located in where it's commonly believed. He backs it up. All of these major discoveries of Jewish history have been made basically right next to where they say, the tombs of the kings are located. And that is, that is because the tombs of the kings are not located where people are saying they are. So it's, it's talking about how Mount Zion today is not the right location. This was a location settled on by ninth century Byzantine Christians So there was a period there where for a few hundred years, at least people didn't really pinpoint the location of the tombs of the Kings. And then finally some Christians came in there and said, here's where they are. Even though that location conflicts with the biblical account. Here it says the Bible places the city of David and where King David is buried on the true Mount Zion where all these discoveries are being made. It took a long time for archaeology to finally start proving around the 19th century or so and and continuing to the present day that the tombs of the kings are somewhere else. But anyway, there's a lot more information about that that you can uh, read for yourself. Mr. Fleury says here, Uh, He just goes through some of the history showing that people did know where the tombs were for a very long time. People knew at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, more than 100 years after Judah was destroyed by Babylon, exactly where those tombs were. Even in the first century, everyone knew where the tombs of the kings were. Acts 2, verse 29, you could read that. It just shows you that people during that time did know. And then the writings of Jewish historians show that even the third century after, or, or C, the third century CE, people knew where those tombs were. Mr. Flurry writes here, the bones of Judah's kings and prophets remain in their original tomb, which has not yet been found, which means this stunning prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. Now, an obvious <laughs> proof that we don't know where the tombs of the kings are, or at least people out there in the world don't, is that they haven't actually discovered them. They say it's in this location, but they haven't actually unearthed that tomb, maybe out of respect or some other reason. But if they really did try, if they really did dig and and try to find them, they wouldn't be able to in that spot. There's also some interesting information here about these, these tombs and some proofs about where these tombs are. Back at that time, it was actually pretty commonplace for kings and other people even to be buried underneath their own houses. So King David, for example, would be buried maybe somewhere underneath or right nearby his own palace where he had lived. Now, Dr. Mazar has made some great progress in uncovering King David's palace Again, that is in a location where many people would not have expected it to be. She really has found so much. She is one of the greatest archaeologists of all time, if not the very best. Her piles of discoveries that affirm the biblical record attest to that. The history of these tombs is quite dramatic. God has protected the bones of these Jewish heroes, these Kings and other leaders for about 3000 years. But that does not mean that no one ever went into those tombs. In fact, it has happened a few times where the tombs were raided as Mr. Fleury explains here, in the 2nd century BCE, the Jewish high priest Hyrcanus broke into the tomb of the kings to loot some of the wealth to pay off Antiochus. Antiochus was a Seleucid leader who was just so unnecessarily wrathful and destructive against the Jews. And he is such an infamous figure in history that... There are even several end time types of this destroyer on the scene today. Antiochus really did make a name for himself by what he did to the Jews. And so the the Jewish high priest there actually went down into the, the tombs to take some of the wealth and try to pay Antiochus, maybe to give them a break, maybe to destroy them a little bit less even though that didn't end up working out too well a century later mr flurry continues king herod raided the tomb though he found no money he did steal gold and furniture and other precious goods herod tried one more time to go down into the tombs of the king's He wanted to find some more golden furniture or maybe go a little bit farther back into this tomb enclosure to where the bones of David and Solomon were located. Maybe there was some wealth down that far that he hadn't discovered the first time his people had entered the tomb. Mr. Flurry says that Herod was stopped in his tracks when a fiery flame burst out from the tombs and incinerated two of his guards. This terrified Herod so much that he had the entrance to the tombs sealed, making it virtually impossible for anyone to break into. And as Mr. Flurry explains, as he questions, why have the bones been left alone for thousands of years? Why would God, after safeguarding the bones of the Jews' greatest kings and prophets for 3,000 years, allow them to be discovered? Which we know will happen in the near future because of Jeremiah chapter 8. And finally, he asks, what would God want us to learn from this event? Yes, why would God allow such a public destruction of the remains of leaders he loved very much leaders who followed the legacy of King David had faith and obedience who perhaps followed David's example of repentance or or that maybe they just totally trusted in God when their nation was in trouble. These were leaders who made God proud. So why would he allow their remains to be, publicly desecrated like this after all this time of keeping the location safe. Why? Why would that happen? This is a question we have to answer because if we don't perhaps it could even shake our faith. Seeing something terrible like this happen without understanding why would be a real depressing moment. And it would be hard to stay positive and keep pushing forward in the Christian walk. So we do need to answer that question. Why is this happening? And to answer that, we have to understand that God does not view death the same way that we so often do. There are some inspiring prophecies in the Bible that show us how God actually views death. It's repeatedly referred to in the Bible as sleep. We wouldn't naturally refer to death as sleep because to us sleep is just however many hours long. And then we wake back up. That's the way God views death though, because he views time differently than we do. He's existed forever. And even those who have been dead for thousands of years, if they ever were to be resurrected to him, that would just be the same thing as them waking up from sleep. It just so happens that part of God's plan, a huge part of God's plan, the ultimate hope of that plan is the resurrection. God is going to resurrect everybody who has ever lived and died. And that is something that can really, encourage us notice Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 4 again he said unto me prophesy upon these bones and say unto them O you dry bones hear the word of the eternal and he continues there saying God will breathe into these bones he will bring up flesh and skin and sinew upon them The prophet Ezekiel had this inspiring vision of human beings being resurrected back to physical life. There is a resurrection back to physical life for those who never had God's Holy Spirit, never were converted in this life. And then there's also a resurrection straight to spirit life, a transformation into spiritual existence. But if God can raise bones out of the ground and reconnect these human remains and cause these people to live again and breathe again and walk again, why couldn't he do the exact same thing to these Jewish heroes whose bones very soon will be desecrated? Even if these bones were ground into the dust, incinerated into ashes what would be stopping the all-powerful almighty god from putting those bones back together again from letting us see and touch and talk to those legends of the bible now some of them like king david he already had god's holy spirit so he won't be resurrected again as a physical human He'll be resurrected as a spirit being. And that's even more remarkable and more astounding than God bringing bones back to life physically. These kings will live again. That is why God will allow these bones to be desecrated in the near future by a hostile enemy an enemy that seeks to blot out the name of Israel. And also this coming event will validate all of the discoveries in archaeology before it. Perhaps people, scoffers, (coughs) have seen all the other discoveries and said, well, it can't be that important. Maybe David was just an insignificant tribal chieftain. What about when the bones of the kings are discovered and destroyed? How much more of an alarming warning could there possibly be that all of these discoveries have proven the accuracy of the Bible? That these scoffers have been wrong the entire time? This will happen And plenty of people will finally realize how wrong they were for doubting God. So there's a warning to this. There is a corrective aspect to it. But ultimately, we focus on the fact that these kings will live again. Christ is described as king of kings and lord of lords. Meaning there are plenty of other kings and lords on the way. Including those Jewish heroes whose bones are about to be destroyed. That is the hope in the tombs of the king's vision. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.